your names correctly for me. My name is Rohan Hayende. Uh, my name is Kevin Dimery. All right. So today we got two people. We got a visual artist who works with painting and sculpture and a poet's writer. Yeah. Poet, writer, sometimes performance. And yeah. 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 All right. Lovely. I-, I let everybody define themselves. I'm not here to define you. Absolutely. So. Uh, so let's, Kevin, you were our original guest, and we, and we have our then additional guest with us. Um, so tell me, both of you, go ahead and just tell me, like, one thing I'm always interested in is sort of basically how do creative people come to be so that basically their childhoods, their backgrounds, their family, how, you know, how were they raised? Nature, the idea of, like, nature versus nurture, like, was it literally, like, in your DNA to be because your parents were creative, or were your parents not creative at all? That's interesting. Even me first? Yeah. Um, you know, so funny thing. Um, I was talking about this with my mom the other day. but So I went to CCA, California College of the Arts, for undergrad. My grandfather was a janitor there. And so one of the funny things was is while he was working there, uh, students would give him, like, old works they didn't want, like ceramics, paintings, things like this. So he started filling up the house, my grandmother's house. And then... The irony in that is that my uncle became an artist. So he's a visual artist, my mom's youngest brother. Mm. And, um, you know, my grandfather tried his hand at sculpting. He actually was pretty good. Mm -hmm. A little woodworker, right? And then it kind of just got imbued to me. It seemed like I grew up around art, but it all started with that one job, you know? It sounds like it was literally in your home surrounding your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went to art school, it seemed like, oh, this is like being in the living room. All right. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't tell. That's you a really that. great story. That's the fun of these podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That, that's your that's your one piece of knowledge right there. My mum went to theatre school, so she she was trained as an actor. But when the last performance of theatre school, she got off the stage and said to her parents, "I'm never going to act again." Well, so actually, really interesting. In in as much as I grew up around, I didn't grow up around the theatre in in the sense that she continued to act but now wait wait where is this because i hear a british yes accent. you do uh this is this is london so so i, I grew up in london um and, and she was she went to a theater school in london mountview school of um acting but my grandfather her her father is also a writer and or was a writer and a pianist and so i think that definitely informs um how I come to, to be there. So so it, it is there in the sense that like there's definitely that trajectory. It's not like right there. My mum is not an artist. She's a counsellor. So it I, basically skipped a generation. It skipped a generation. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, she could have been an actress if she decided not to to, to be like... The, Did she ever say why she's The industry, as a woman, at that time, I think, going to acting school, she realised there weren't many roles for women one or the roles that were there for women were very particular and she just she said that being in acting school and being in the green room and stuff like it was also a lot of what she would say is people from a certain privileged background that she just didn't like she just didn't agree with oh, the that, politics that is such a polite way of explaining that <laughs> <laughs> wow mm. so polite 
I believe you meant like <laughs> snobby white people, basically. Definitely, and she was a she was a like or the, she the is Brit- a non snobby white person, like, like so. the British upper class kind of snobby, absolutely uh, upstairs people. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. As you say, as you say, and 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 my grandfather and was a was a Marxist, and so she she came from a very different um, background. That is indeed very different. Yes. Mm. All right. So now. Kevin, I'm really bad with names, so I'm going to try and say your names over and over no, so I don't forget. Cool. So Kevin and <laughs> Rohan. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. So Kevin, uh, your background, so you went to CCA. So you started. You were born and raised in Oakland. Yeah, I was born. Yeah, basically. Basically. I was born in Modesto. It's a little... Ah, close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, used to, I used to work at a gallery there, and one of our best artists actually was from Modesto. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I know pretty well. But... Um, so you so you went from there and then you went to the Chicago Institute of Art is that right? I'm I'm so bad with well, we Art went to Institute the... Institute of Art which is a... It's funny you know because with all the um I think it's only because of the how the AI rose up over the last 60 something years but I think they're just a property scam is really all they are. Man, no comment. <laughs> they no comment. They, 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 they're around, you know. <laughs> but I'll tell you. But they, but they own the biggest, most prominent buildings in major metropolitan cities all over the United States. We're talking about the AIs, right? Yeah, because okay. you get a because t- I, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody who's listening to it's like, I believe you get a certain tax break for being a school, and so that's why they're able to come in and scoop up so much property. Whereas if you was just like Walmart. You couldn't do that. Yeah, you you you're thinking the same way I'm thinking, okay. which is basically like as a school, as a nonprofit organization, they basically get a low price mortgage or whatever on these properties, and then it just ends up being this big tax write off for them across the board. Yeah, I know nothing about them, so this is complete conjecture and theory. Well, this is why you're making the podcast, right? No Someone that you interview is going to know and he's going <laughs> to spill the beans. Um, <laughs> I have no proof of this whatsoever. It is purely my personal opinion. Right, right. But the the the, the so the school of the Art Institute of Chicago, I know it is a for profit though. It's not not for It's for profit. It? It's for profit. But Actually, I, I don't know. I, here's, the thing, here's the thing. Here's the thing. though. here's the they thing. They are for profit, aren't they? It, it is, but see, that's the thing, though, right? So fun fun fact, um, and it is the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. That's, I guess, what distinguishes it. I don't. Know. But here's the thing, um, it is a part of the ACAD. Uh, schools it's like the accredited art and design academy or something like this you know i know i'm butchering the acronym but the acronym is acad and i think what sets it apart from what we distinguish as for-profit schools on everything it's very for-profit in america right north america is that it has a certain lineage that it tries that it ties itself to which is kind of like in no way i'm saying is it the same but like how there's like the ivy league and that was just a conference that they all went to and mm. decided we're the Ivy League, even though UC Berkeley or like Stanford is important schools, but they're not the Ivy League. It's the same concept. Like the ACAD schools is where the School of the Art Institute is in, but like the, the Art Institutes as an organization is not. So like they do these kind of weird little, you know what I mean? Mm. But that's just technical fact. All right, we'll stop talking smack about the competition. We'll get to back to the point. <laughs> so what, which school did you go to? Me and Rohan, we went for graduate school to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And that's the, is that the one with uh, the Bauhaus connection? They do have a connection to Bauhaus, right? You're telling me. Oh, they, they, 
Well, what's the connection? It's funny because I just went to the Bauhaus 100 year exhibition here. Laszlo Moholinaj. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, they do. Okay, that's yeah. so that's where he taught. Yeah, we have they had a big, had a big exhibition. The Bauhaus connection. Yeah, we yeah. had a big exhibition of his when he was we we there. We did, we did, we yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Okay, and then obviously Chicago just... has the Bauhaus, connect, Bauhaus connection because of um, Mies van der Rohe. Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, very prestigious school. I, I mean, I, that was one of the grad schools I applied to and didn't get in, but that's fine. So I'm not, I'm not bitter about it I anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, and you all just graduated, so you're very sort of, I would, I would say, sort of fresh and young to the market. Yeah, to the wolves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you graduated what two years ago now? No, because it was two eighteen. Oh, wait, a year ago. Yeah, two, I just graduated. Yeah. Two nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, back to back. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Kevin, you've had a, a, what seems like a very sort of uh, dramatic introduction uh, in, within a year, what, two years of graduating. You have a gallery that's representing you in Berlin, and you are being exhibited here at their art, at the Berlin Art Fair, right? Yeah, well, they're at, well, Sekile and me, they're stationed out at Frankfurt. And um, that's but, not that big a difference coming from <laughs> Oakland and Chicago, like Frankfurt versus Berlin. It's fine. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, some people could say that. I think it's been a wild ride seeing what it's like to come out of graduate school and like do the residency hustle, sell some work, do the shows, the fairs. You know, it's 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 been interesting. But in no way do I feel it's me York. It's been it's been ups and downs. It's been a path, a rocky but exciting path and that's what the podcast that's what i want to hear about is the, like the, these ups and these downs these mm. the, the work you had to put in the failures the you know the learning the basically the learning you know yeah. so like what you you've had two fast years of learning a lot man for real i know yeah i know i'm, I'm sure you've been feeling that way too yeah yeah i mean yeah because you do the two years of grad school and then and then you're trying to apply everything that you've learned in that very contained space into something that like resonates in the world you know i will see this is the thing i don't okay <laughs> <laughs> no no the, the reason being is, is because i'm from a different generation mm. so i'm 46 years old when i graduated from grad school there was a sort of a a course that was sort of theoretically laid out and i went to grad school with the intention of being a professor okay. so, oh, okay. so that was my direction i was i was more focused on getting teaching teaching assistance jobs teaching jobs so on and that kind of thing more so than necessarily going to galleries and, and down that line yeah. now given the state of teaching in in 2019 2019, 2019 that we're in that's where we are that's right we are here yeah um the state of teaching is horrible absolutely i am completely disillusioned by the entire academic bullshit i mean it's just ridiculous yeah. Most schools that I have been dealing with recently are more interested in student happiness rather than students learning. Mm. And it's driving me nuts. And I kind of want nothing to do with it at this point, which is really ironic because I just got an email asking me to teach again. But that's great, though. <laughs> sure. <laughs> are you going to do it? No. It's just workshops. It's not an actual course. It's fine. I'll, I'll do workshops. Those are fun. Okay. But, but academia, it's it's... It's been going the wrong way because the, the, it used to be there, there was these tenure tracks and there was, there was reliability in that sort of industry. So like if I wanted to be a teacher, it would give me a sense of stability and structure in my life and my career track that I then could be creative on the, you know, as my little side thing to keep my, 
my credentials looking good. But that doesn't happen anymore. No. Tenure's going away. Like so, like that whole idea of going to grad school, getting a degree, and then going into teaching for some sense of stability in your life yeah, is completely gone. You all are completely different because you're coming out of grad school fully aware and f- fully sort of intending that you know you have no stability. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I agree. Which is wild. I mean, it's because I think about the, the amount of money that people. I mean, I think that leads into a really interesting question. Like I'm the amount of money you're still paying off your yeah. student loans, right? Yeah. And like at, at SAIC, you know, people can be paying up to 120 grand over two years. Absolutely, you know, and that's just for that's just tuition. That's tuition. That's, <laughs> you can still gotta live. Yeah, you still gotta live, and I, and and, and I that's think what I'm still paying off. Oh man, and that, that's a lot to process, you know, like especially if there's not that stability. You know, so so maybe for you, it's like, well, I know that there's still a job. No, there isn't a job anymore. No, not now, but at the time, at the time, at least you thought, oh, there's a job. I did. I mean, I was very optimistic. I remember getting out of grad school going, great, now I can go teach and I can like have the stability of uh, a reliable income, summers off, healthcare, like all these things. And then I'd be able to make my art. And none of that is reliable anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you all are coming out in a very scary time. It is, you know, and I was I was just remarking to um, one of my good friends yesterday on the phone. We were talking about the same topic. And they were asking me, well, what made you decide to do this? And I said, it's, I, it's kind of the wool gets pulled over your eyes because the lack of education makes you seek out that education. Once you go through, and maybe if you really had a good time, you really had a critical time, you can look back and go, wait a minute. Oh, maybe that wasn't the wisest idea, but I only have that cognition now because of what I went through. Mm. So it's this kind of catch-22, and I, I think now what I focus on more is trying to find ways to build economies around myself. So like I, I go into this whole thing of like, you have to own something at some point before you, you know, um, I would say, or maybe like mid-career, you have to own something, whether it be like it's a property, whether it be, you know, like um, something that actually fuels the work you make, because otherwise you're not actually going to be getting any return on investment. And so that's one of the things that I've been talking about a lot with my friends is like, well, what are we going to do to try to offset the fact that we have so much debt and we're probably going to be in the rat race maybe for the rest of our lives how do you change that you can't alleviate it without having something that brings you money that you own that's the only way and that's what i'm trying to do uh with the work i want to be able to build a career what i've learned from doing this podcast is that in europe it's very different the way the arts is funded Mm. in particular in europe a lot of things, well, most art is funded by grants, right. whether it's uh, sponsored grants like uh, from businesses or private people or uh, municipalities, yeah, or federal or, or governments or things like this. There is uh, like most art here and, and artists right. are sort of funded by grants of some sort, residencies, etc., which is not common in America. And I didn't know this until I got here. And I'm like, no shit. So 
my originally when I started this podcast, my idea was, okay, I'll get a lot of listeners and then I'll get advertisers. And then I suddenly realized, I was like, why the fuck am I looking for advertisers when I could just go get grants to fund the podcast? Can you get both? I can technically get both. But the problem with advertisers, though, right? Yeah, podcasts. This this is my point. You gotta sit there and sound really stupid, saying, "Um, "And you know, then the wise fool, we've got a great um, new drink contract with." uh, Yes, I love my (laughs) Cadillac Pacifica, (laughs) my Lazy Boy chair, (laughs) and and Stamps dot com. Yeah. I was like, oh, did you know I told my friend to go on stamps.com because he's such a good... He's just like, bro, shut up. Yeah, because I use stamps.com in Prague. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, yeah, so I mean, so it's just things like this, like little little things. Like what, what happened was is like I was born and raised and, and educated in America. And then I've since then traveled a lot. I've gone to Belize. I've gone to the Middle East. I've gone to... I, I lived in the Middle East. I've gone to Asia. I've gone all over Europe. I had a very luxurious, spoiled childhood. I'm not I'll fully take ownership of that. Totally spoiled kid. But what I've realized in moving, so like I moved from America to the Middle East where I taught there for about six years and then I'm now moved to Europe, mm. is, is that I thought I understood the art world and I realized yeah. after getting into Europe, I have no fucking idea how the contemporary art world works. Mm. That's interesting. Now, I may have known 20 years ago, yeah, but it's changed so much. And like you all are a great example of this. Like mm-hmm. you all are sort of the next generation and you're... Things like coming out of school with this unknown versus yeah. like I came out of school with a very theoretically a great direction of going to teach, yeah, yeah, which yeah. ended up fluttering away, much like the contemporary art scene is changing very dramatically. Mm-hmm. So it's things like social media. Like, so do you all use social media? Yeah, definitely. But it's always a negotiation as well, though. Trying not, this is something I think about a lot of like how. Because I have friends, we have friends who, who are artists as well, who have graduated with us, who use social media not as a place to show their art, you know? Okay. And then there are people who very much use it as a, a place, like, to share art. And so, like, also navigating the way that people look at you based on how you use your social media, mm-hmm. I think is a fascinating thing. Like, do you want to be the person who's using it, like, very professionally? Or do you shy away from that because that, somehow muddies the value of your work in other spaces you know so I, I definitely think about it I don't know how you feel about it Kevin. well that's interesting because you know I, I was thinking about it I went to the the David Hammond show out in LA it was one of the I think it was his first show in like 45 years right and um our solo show first solo show in 45 years and I when I was there I was thinking about I had this great class with a professor uh, named Jordan Cantor at CCA and he talked to us a lot about what kind of conversations you're having and how you should be very cognizant of the way you're having a conversation within the art world and how people, and this is the whole idea behind my philosophy of building economies around yourself. Yeah. You have this character who he kind of became, in terms of Hammonds, he became this kind of trickster where now you kind of, he has this folklore around him. You know, there's this kind of like thing where you know he's he's uh he kind of is like a ghost in the art world he shows up he drops his work off you don't even see him you know and i I really like that and so i decided uh to take like three months off of being on social media to focus on work and you know during that time i didn't even 
haven't even been able to talk to you about this because we just saw each other for the first time in nine months today. You know, I had more calls from people who are on my social media than ever before. Really? I got literal pick up people pick up the phone and ask me what I'm doing. They were wondering if you were dead. Basically, maybe. <laughs> but people are asking, what kind of art are you doing? What's this? I had a gallerist call me. Really? Yeah, not not Sakile and Daniel, but I had a gallerist call me from Orange County to check in on the work and say, hey, what are you up to? What are you making? Because they hadn't seen... Hadn't seen it, but maybe we're so used to... And I, I talked about this with one of my friends. Maybe we're so used to seeing this all the time, right? That whenever you... However you position yourself, I feel like it's super important. Where I didn't strategically do it. It's just more or less that I think you could call it whatever you want to call it. it cunning was, plan. That'd be cool if I was that cunning. I'm not. <laughs> but it but it was the idea of like, wow, you know, we're so used to seeing all the time that me and Rohan were just remarking. And it'd be dope to hear more about this from your perspective, Rohan. But we were in Art Berlin talking about where's the next art movement? Have we gotten to so late stage capitalism that... Mm there's no way in which that we're going to have this homogenous society that decides to work towards a kind of common goal and end in art, right? And whether or not we can answer that now, I think one thing that's pointed out there is like in this sea of being different, right? What is really different? And I feel like that moment of unconsciously stepping away from this platform where you have access to everyone that's in your sphere you choose to, people going, where is this guy? You know, if he was always here, why is he not here? What am I missing? That was the feeling I got from it. Hmm. And I said, wow, you know, there is a lot more to be explored in terms of the kind of way you build something around yourself. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what to say or to add to that. I think, yeah, that, that conversation that we had earlier, the, the notion of movements in art not being as visible or present in contemporary art and like how yeah what what's the reason for that is there a reason is there like some actual reason or is it something that is just not feasible because of the times that we're living in is it because everybody has the ability to share all of the time that the, the notion of like a cohesive or cohesion between different types of artists just doesn't there's so many different artists that are able to share their work that like where you might be able to draw parallels in the past because there were fewer artists you know like you no longer have you no longer have the ability to do so because there are so many people making art but then at the, it, it'd be really interesting then at the end of a project like this where you're interviewing all these different people like does does something start to emerge from that in terms of a, a zeitgeist that in, that exists in the, the art world well I mean there's also still the point too that like the previous art movements which I put in air quotes here I mean they were decided by hindsight generally and they were decided by intellectual people in an academic white tower that sort of gave it a name <laughs> yeah. uh, gave it a, like gave it a name like the you know I'm thinking like the impressionist movement in particular but, the, but that movement really was only happening in a very small group of people in a very small geographical area. Whereas now, literally, yeah. I can see artwork from all over the world at the same time. Yeah, that's true. You know, but like if you went back to the Impressionistic period, I'll bet if you looked at Japan or China or Kenya or Chile, they were not doing Impressionist artwork at the yeah. same time. So, I mean, th that was just Impressionist period 
in Europe. In Europe, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's an important thing to distinguish. Yeah. Because we were saying, yes, exactly, yeah. we basically thought the same idea, right? That like, you know, now that we can essentially be in a global society, has that blown that idea out of the water? Or is it more so that the way that we're looking at art movements has to has to shift? Yeah, because you can't really do movements anymore. I mean, it's going to be... Well, they're, they're probably going to be like little subsets. I mean, it's, it's just going to be like there's a movement in, you know, Eastern Asia. There's going to be a movement in South America. I'm sorry. I just lump an entire continent together. But I mean, but, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to be like little movements in regions. Yeah. I don't feel like it, they're, they're, it's impossible that there's a global art movement. Artists are not followers like, yeah. So like, yeah 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 so like if i saw that there is a movement going on i'm going the other way that's what a lot of people are gonna yeah. want to do especially in this especially i think in this moment where like the notion of authenticity is so because because there's like also a dialogue around the notion of like institutional like the institute as like a formal and grounded thing so like within that and then also like the industry is like especially like the art world then also becomes an institution in its own right and people are nest because of that also the notion of authenticity is really important because you don't just want to be a part of that you want to be your own thing within that which is to say oh this is why i'm i'm important oh no we want to be the leader yeah we want to be yeah, the yeah. ones defining the movement we don't want to be a follower of a movement what fun is that? But you know, I was thinking about this in relation to that where so today when me and Rohan were at Sakile and me, you know, we were at the booth. Mm. We were talking to Sakile and she was talking about the South African artist Zanele Maholi. Mm-hmm. You know, Zanele Maholi is showing with them right now. Zanele Maholi is a photographer and um, they well, Sakile described it, they like to go by the term, you know, like activist activist or, or was it visual activist visual activist yeah. visual activist and so but here's the thing though with that is like there's a pop there's a set of politics behind their body of work that i think if you're if you're going to have any kind of art movement i think whether or not it's global or not i think the only way you can get people on board and say that um my individual my individuality standing out above something isn't more important than xyz which I'm not saying this is possible necessarily, but if it were to happen, I think it would be like this is the this is a means to an end, and then that's when it could be, you know, somewhat of a movement. But otherwise, why would art be centered around a movement necessarily? You know. Well, yeah, yeah. Unless, as you're saying, it is that movement is less about like the the art mm, style and more about like the intent. Right, because then you can you can be part of a movement in which you're saying like we're trying this there's a message, but not all of the art needs to like aesthetically speak the same language. Whereas like say the expressionists or the the language was the the movement was in the language of the work as opposed to the which, ideas, but which was only seen in hindsight. Which was only seen in hindsight. Yeah, I mean not that's all the, the time though. I mean, it, the I free- mean like the surrealists. Really, yeah, they 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 self defined as such, you know, or the Bauhaus again. I mean, that was a movement that you could say was a self defined. That's that's so much bigger than just the visual arts, though. I mean, that was a movement of architecture and lifestyle and everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what I think it has to be, 
you know, um, I was also going to say to that same degree, um, when you look at like the freestyle series from the Studio Museum in Harlem, they're not doing that anymore. But this whole idea was mm. like, I believe the question was, do you do you reject blackness as a concept or do you or do you embrace it within your work as a artist of African descent? That was the whole freestyle series, and it has people like Hammonds in it. It had people like it just had so many people in it. Um, that it really spanned, I think, two generations of visual artists. Hmm. Um, And I think that was like a movement made by a a curatorial team. Very interesting, you know? That is interesting. I mean, what's the most recent movement you know? Like, the last one I remember being, like, officially sort of titled was, like, post-modern or something like that. But it's like, where do you go from like post post modern? Post 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 black, anti modern. You know, <laughs> let's go back to the classics. That's basically what we're in right now, if you ask me, because you see this kind of this push yeah, towards yeah, craft yeah. that was um, almost completely rejected um, about thirty years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's this return to. Now, like, are you saying craft or craftsmanship? Like, I think both. Okay. I think both. Um, I think it should be fair that you do point out craftsmanship maybe is the the first and craft, right? Where there's this need to say like, for example, I remember I, I'm I'm old enough. Mm-hmm. Well, don't you remember when people thought portraiture was just like, you know, I'm no portraiture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah, old no enough. Portrait. Wait, how old are you? No, we can't give it yeah. away now. <laughs> we can't give it away now. Oh uh, yeah, you're not that old. But we just but here's I'm 46. Trust I'm, me, you're... I'm 26. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying though that's You're how... old enough to be my son. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. But how old are you, real? How old are you? I don't believe in age. Oh, see, he doesn't like to tell. That's the Aquarius <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, though. I remember when I was young in in art school that they were talking about like, oh, portraiture. Like, ah, I'm, nobody wants to do portraiture. Yeah. That, yeah, that existed then. Even though you know, and that's crazy to me to think about now. But it's because it's like now, you know, portraiture, it's, it's up. It's doing well. And I think that here's the thing with that. It's, know it was out. <laughs> it's, it's, I think that there are always movements. It's just about that we as maybe the artists or the creative practitioners in any field, mm. we don't necessarily, we're not the ones who are usually interested in defining them. I don't think. Yeah, we just want to make what make we want to sure. make. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So I think that's why the yeah. curator people, you know, the curators the, and everybody. The yeah, let those other people define genres and time periods. It's, that's not our role. Our role is just to make really interesting things to make them think more. Yeah. <laughs> I can get down with that. All right. I want to touch on something, and I know this might cause problems, but but it might not. Let's see. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. All right. I was looking at your website, Kevin. And you have very, um, let's say, strong opinions about your African-American descent. That's no. interesting. It, well, I mean, it was very obvious in your work about uh, like your, your confidence, your strength. I'm not sure what words to put to it, but, but, but bear with me. Yeah, yeah. This is less about you, and this is actually more about me. Okay, cool. I'm a white guy. Sure. And let's just go with I'm an idiot, okay? Like, oh, wait, but instance, we should say for the record, me and Rohan are both black. Okay, sure. For the, for the oh, record, yeah, that's for a good the, call. Yeah, this, see, is, yeah, this yeah. is a podcast. Nobody can see that. It's a good call. So, I'm, they might not know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so, so I'm a white guy, and and I'm uh, like I saw the Jaffa. Do you know Jaffa? Yeah, Arthur Jaffa. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we sat down and watched the 
that thing. Love is the message. Love is the message. The message. I, saw, I saw his exhibition he actually recently had in Prague. Oh, cool. And yeah. it was a it was a full beautiful ex- I mean it was a beautiful place. I I'm I'm having difficulty with like um, understanding. I'm not sure what is what is to say about it. Other that's not going to make me sound like some racist bigot. But like, yeah, like go for it. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not. That's the thing is like I'm not. But but basically I, I'm asking for your help mm-hmm. in helping me understand like. We were like, talking about this too oh, today. We were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like, like, in my mind, okay, I'll, I'll go with from my own experiences. So, like, I was in the Middle East, okay, and I was teaching at a university where I taught Muslim women. Oh, cool. That was my whole job, and I taught Muslim women art. Wait, you mean you, you, you taught not about Muslim women, you were teaching Muslim women? My students were Muslim got you, women. Got you, got you, got you. Yes. And I was teaching about art. And I kept telling them, because they would turn in artwork to me as their assignments, that was all about being a Muslim woman. Okay. And I kept telling them, don't make work about the fact that you're a Muslim woman. Make work about you and you happen to be a Muslim woman. So like, make good work. But the fact that you're Muslim and the fact that you're a woman shouldn't be the thing that defines your work. Okay. Now you see, you seem to take a different tact with this, and oh, this yeah. this is what I'm asking about. Because, like, when I sit back and think about my own work, because you know I've had to sort of look at myself, because basically I'm asking you all questions, so I have to ask these questions of myself also. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I was telling these students that, and then I looked at my own work, I said, "Is my work screaming?" American white Christian. Mm-hmm. You never know. And it might just be kind of. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. I mean, I think my work screams male for sure. Maybe. I do figurative work. So okay. A lot of women. So, like, yeah. A lot of figurative women. So, like, it screams male. Okay. So that's pretty much it, male. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what it'll do. But, but beyond that, but so 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 I'm just, I'm very interested in like the fact that you you you've you're sort of embracing this and you're yeah. and you're putting it in the forefront of your work yeah, instead yeah. of not like so like I think uh, yeah. art should be art regardless of your gender, your age, your sex, your whatever. Yeah, good yeah. art is good art. Mm-hmm. I don't care about all these other things, race, whatever. Like I don't go back and look at. I don't even know some like example, but like pre, you know, old art, and I go, oh well, but that was made by a woman, you know, it's not as good. Like I don't think like that. Like no. I, to me, like good art is good art, period. Bad art is bad art. I don't care if they're made by a Muslim woman or they're made by an African American man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't concern me. Good art, bad art. That's all I care about. Yeah, yeah. So I'm interested. Is it like your choice of doing this? Yeah, yeah. Did that make me sound like a horrible racist? No, no, no. Okay, I mean, good. I, felt, I was very scared to bring up this topic, actually. No, no, it's important. Um, just, just to clarify on your question, when you say your choice of doing this, your choice, is, it, is the question for you the choice of the framing of the work or the choice of the content of the work? Because I think those are two. Because I think if Kevin didn't frame his work as such, you wouldn't necessarily... Not in all of the work, you wouldn't necessarily read it as right. So you're, say, you're saying like the the text that accompanies it or the artist. Yeah, statement I'm, I'm asking for you that when when you ask that question, are you yeah. asking more about yeah the text that frames 
uh, Kevin's work or are you asking about when I looked at his website yeah. it was the imagery of the work that okay. stood out first right. and sort of I will say bolder mm-hmm. than the written text like the artist statement that you had there yeah, the yeah. artist statement was you know, it was very eloquent and all that it wasn't very sort of in your face sort of like kind of stuff so but the artwork at certain ones were very much in your face um right. very strong bold statements about like this is made by a black man you think that's what you that's what you felt some you of thought? them not yeah. all of them yeah, yeah. yeah. more the paintings than the sculptures yeah the sculptures i think i'm leaning yeah, well let me let me say this because um i think there comes a point where a lot of people have asked me a similar question where i guess my thoughts around it and what the kind of work I make is that I am making from a space where I can't, uh, I don't mentally step out of that space a lot. So like, for example, uh, you're always a black man. Yeah. Wait, okay. I'm going to, again, I'm going to come off as like the horribly most bad racist bigoted person. But That's all right. Just be blunt though. I know, yeah, for real. I know, but like, I just like, God, am I, is my face getting red? Because like, yeah. I feel like it's getting red. Okay. Let's keep doing it. It's, 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 okay. it's okay. Be the wise fool. This is awkward, you know. <laughs> oh, embarrassing, mate. All right. Um, what's the proper term? African-American or black? That's a good question. Like, this is a this is a debate. I know, because I, I was raised in a time, you know, because keep in mind, I'm older than you all. I was raised in a time right when that sort of debate started. Like, you know, but 30-some but can I, can I years ago. Can I add something before we get back into the deeper meat of it? That is very specific to the states, right? I mean, right. black is black is, for, is, is, is kind of eternal. It's like me and, me and Rohan are black because of the context of the African diaspora. African-American... Is a is a is a term that was trying to that's reclassified after Negro, so I think that it's like really important that it was a way. So wait, wait you believe that it went from Negro to African American is the next term? I would have said black was the next term. Black was the mm. black was the term that was that was self. I, this is my that came out in the seventies, right? Yeah, but it was I a no like the black power movement. It was like black became in the states, and again, it's important to kind of talk about that contextually. Uh, that that's that's relative to to a, a North American phenomenon, but like black comes about with the with really I feel I feel like it was Stokely Carmichael. When Stokely Carmichael is like yeah. black power, black power, right? Black and power. then that's the kind of tide that turns into like black being the the, the nomenclature, the the kind of identity category that mm. comes out of African American, and then I mean it's it's muddy. I mean, and I'm sure there's someone that, that listens to this and who's a historian in that who might say, no, actually it is. And I'm sure there's somebody listening to this who will disagree with whatever you're about to say as well. Absolutely. And so that's why I say it's important for me that why I'm saying, I'm not saying it's a jump from African-American to Negro. Or, I mean, reverse that, Negro to African-American. But, like, I've had so many countless conversations with my mother where when she was a young girl, she was like, we were called Negroes. We were classified as Negroes. We wrote on our paper, Negro. Mm. Can't necessarily say that for everybody around the world. But specifically for the black people in North America, she was considered Negro. I grew up in a time well, I wasn't checking black. Black wasn't it wasn't even black slash African American as they do on a lot of these little. Yeah, I'm trying to remember like my childhood. Whether I remember seeing what I remember seeing is the choices. Exactly, African American was like there when I was young, and what I and for me, it was a 
it was more of like a result of many different congealing political philosophy political philosophies mm. that basically were saying we're tying these people's ethnic lineage that is kind of largely ambiguous because of the lack of historical documentation mm. to the fact that these are american people you know they're african american but anyways to that point right um Yes, I, I prefer black. That's my thing. I prefer black. Okay. But um, in terms of the work, right? <laughs> and like, it's good. <laughs> Let's get back to the meat, right. meat of yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know the historians, they can eat us up later. But the... Um... <laughs> I love that all of us just like moved in our seats to get a little bit more comfortable because this is going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and that's cool to me because I think... Like I, I remember I was dating somebody who wasn't from the States. She wasn't even she wasn't even black, she was Southeast Asian. And she was asking me a lot of questions similar to this. Where she was asking, like, you know, it seems like you're so wrapped up in being black, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, like, uh I think that it's um a fascinating and delectable conversation to those who aren't a part of it. I live in it every day. And that's my point is like, I'm an idiot about it. Like I'm completely insensitive. I I know nothing about it and I'm going to, you know, so I'm not going to see, Oh, I understand your pain. No bullshit. I have no idea what you, what what you've gone through. I don't understand it at all. So help me out. But it's not not even about pain necessarily. Well, that was just like a reference to the, just the, the vernacular of like, I feel your pain. But tell me though, (laughs) what, what, you know, it'd be cool. Cause then I feel like me and Ro could really speak to the, this kind of relationship of uh-huh. being didactic or not in the work. What work of mine stood out to you that you were like, oh, this one really makes me think, ask this question. I mean, I have several works. I'm sure one stands out in your mind. It would be the one that you were holding up the the black bars with white letters on it where it was reading something about like, I'm... Oh, that's a line from Nas. Oh, yeah. You remember that one? Yeah, I don't even remember exactly what it said. Well, that was a great line because, you know... Um, what is the line again? The line, you know, I'm excuse me. Holding it up? I was just holding yeah, it, but I made it. But I'll, I'll say it, you know, and I want to apologize to anyone who may be feeling uncomfortable with the end we're being used. Uh-huh. You know, black or not, real talk. But the line says, "I need a new nigga for this black cloud to follow, because while it's over me, it's too dark to see tomorrow." Yeah. But that line, what's interesting about it, and you talk about it being, you know, very didactic or whatever, is that. That's something for people who are really in the know culturally. That's a line from from Nas, the rapper, and which it's I it. didn't know because I'm that kind of not hip person. <laughs> and it's from the song "The The World Is Yours," yeah. right? And what's great about that line is actually the forty fourth and forty fifth line, depending on when you're reading it. So I was thinking about this concept of, um, you know, the idea of it seems like every. Like it felt like every new election year, somebody was asking me, "What is it like for Black people right now?" And I always say, "It's the same. <laughs> like, it's not getting any different." I would people think it's screaming. getting worse. People are screaming, "Oh my God, it's so crazy!" 2019. I'm like, "Yo, it's been the same. It's yeah. <laughs> over like here." That. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, wait, I'm like, I'll take this as a racial thing. Like, I'm a white person, and it's getting worse. Like, yeah. for, like I'm embarrassed by President Trump. Like, I'm embarrassed that I'm somehow like. When people when people meet me on the street and they're like, "Where are you from?" I say, "America." Oh, with President Trump. I'm like, "Yeah, please do not equate me to that fucking idiot. Right. Like he is such a outlier of how stupid Americans can be. Not even white Americans. Americans like greedy capitalist Americans. He's just horrible. I hate him. 
and I hate what he what he's done to the world's perception of America. But anyways, we're not going to get into politics. It's enough. We're talking about race already. <laughs> we can go yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, we're already talking about race. I think that's <laughs> more than I'm comfortable with already. So that's funny. But yeah, I mean, it's just if you think about it like that, to the outside looking in, like that piece. Like I think there's always this question of like with black art in particular, are you mm. making this work to try to translate? Are you a translator? But see, you just did it. You said black art in particular. Yeah. Why is it black art? Well, because me and Rohan, like Rohan is from London. You know mm. what I mean? I'm from America and I've had plenty of friends from other parts of the world. But what makes it black is that there's a unique, I think there's an experience that ties black people together. And it's hard to put it into words. I wouldn't try to dare do it right now Mm. but there's something about that you know being black and how globally that what that has meant for you know hundreds of years really um it really links the people together even when we're in uh even when we're in dire disagreement and so i i feel like when i say black art i don't feel very different from like zanele maholi who's in the same booth as me right now right like i look at their work they're south african I've never even been to South Africa, but I when I see that work, which is, you know, these two pieces right now at, at Art Berlin about, you know, it's self-portraits about being a black woman, I feel that pain. I look at that and I go, I've never been a black woman. You feel the pain. See, that's my reference. Yeah, I'm like, I look at that and I go like that, I feel that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I feel like I could feel that from the experience of living black that I could, I'd be very shocked if somebody else could feel it and they weren't. Mm. That's what I'm sure it's possible for sure. And that's interesting because I mean, yeah, maybe I'm an insensitive idiot or whatever, but like <laughs> when I, well, like, well, like if I were to look at works by some other white artist, I wouldn't go like, oh, oh yeah, I feel the white you know, bond there. Like, we, like white artists don't have this bond, but like you, who, who you just said, you, you looked at an artist who's also black from a completely different culture, completely different background, completely different everything, but, and you can relate to it in a way that I probably could never could. Well, because you, when you're saying about whiteness, we got to remember that the, the... And this is just loaded, and I want to really pass this. This is going to be the area where I'm definitely passing the baton to you. This whole on. thing is loaded, I know. Because this is, about to be some, this is about to be loaded, but I think you could break it down maybe better than me. But I'm a, I'm a writer, t- after all. Yeah, I'm going to start this off. I think Rohan's going to be able to finish it better. But check it out. Here's the thing. I think um, that the the concept of blackness, and this is going to be very controversial, what I'm about to say. So this is why I'm about to pass the baton. I just just made this whole podcast super uncomfortable by even bringing this topic. (laughs) No, but it's it's so necessary, these conversations, which is going back to what we spoke about earlier, because we were talking about there is also a culture that I completely understand and respect and know where it comes from relative to questions of privilege and power. But there's, there, there, there is a, there are people, many people I know and many people I respect who wouldn't have this conversation necessarily. This yeah. is, it's not my job to educate you. And you my parents are going to be so angry with me for uh-huh. even bringing this conversation up because it, it's going to embarrass them to no end. Yeah, 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 I hear that. Um, well, I guess to say this, like, I think the creation of blackness and the creation of whiteness, as we understand it, particularly in the North American sphere, um, was was not in was not the same creation, even though it has similar ambiguity. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, 
okay, say you're French, you're, you're, you're Irish, you're English, and you're Scottish, and you have no knowledge of this history, right? <laughs> you just are a blend of these things, and you've grown up in maybe like Birmingham, Alabama, and your, and your culture is Birmingham, you know what I mean? Okay, now you take that same individual, you put them next to an individual who um, is a descendant of slaves, you know, who maybe their culture, they part of them came from the Caribbean, part of them came, you know, they were here in North Carolina for, you know, hundreds of years. A, a large part of their existence is has been, you know, and this is, argue, and people argue this, but it's subjugation. It's been, they've been under a pressure, you know, they've been under a certain level of pressure and a calm in certain respects that have shaped and folded their identity to something very specific for generations. That doesn't necessarily do the same thing to this young person who maybe is from Birmingham, you know? And so what happens is, is that you can't equate the two because they're both ambiguous. And there's certain different levels of power that exist within these two spheres. And so when I say I look at someone who's South African and I see them in pain, and it's about maybe blackness, right? Mm -hmm. I look at it and I go, I know what it's like to have been in pain like that. And I don't say that our existence is about pain solely because I know a lot of people take issue with that. Right, right. It's not. But I think I can understand and look at that work and go like, I know what it was like to feel like that at five years old and still be 26 and feel that way now. You know, and imagine that I'll still understand it at 46. Hmm. And so there's this kind of thing where it kind of links you, right? And so when I hear, and I know it's not the same for every white person, but I, you know, I hear someone who says I'm white and I don't look at a white artist and feel that way. I'm like, yeah, your experience is different. It's not the same just because of the ambiguity, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> I know, it's sobering, right? Yeah, <laughs> These yeah, beers were yeah. in vain. Sorry. It's such a big, I mean, it's such a big topic right i mean it's such well, a, like, like i ran into this at one point i was friends I, I was i was a roadie i used to tour around rock and roll bands for a long time up and down the east coast and my best friend was this guy q uh quentin coleman from washington dc and i remember one time he he said oh i've got to run back to my grandma's house and pick something up i said okay and, and so we drove up and we were in my car and he said oh no no here park around the corner i can't let my grandma see i'm with a white guy and I was just like, what? Is that true? Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, she, he literally would not allow me to drive up to his grandma's house. Yeah. And I was just sort of like, wow, would I do the same thing? Like, would I do that if it, the roles were reversed at my house? And, I, and it just made me think. I'm like, this is very odd. Like, it was the first time that, you know, because I was 20-something at the time. But, like, this is 20-some-odd years ago. But, like, it was the first time that I really had this feeling of, like, I'm being prejudiced against. <laughs> and I was like, that's a very interesting situation that I had never experienced up to that point because I had lived a life of white privilege up until you know a certain point in my life when I chose to be a roadie and do a bunch of drugs and party and all this kind of stuff. At that point, you know, then I suddenly was opened up to a whole different set of cultures and, mm. and things like this. So it was very different. But I mean, I grew up where... I got in trouble because I took a, a young friend of mine, Ruben, uh, who's a, a black man, uh, and, and took him to the country club with me to play tennis. <laughs> because I wanted to play tennis with my friend Ruben. He's a very good tennis player. And the country club literally told me he was not allowed to play there. 
Yeah, so it's just straight up. That's what the difference. There and this go. was in like 1985. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was in full swing. I mean, this is the idea, right? It's like. You would think 1985 is not in full swing. No oh, way. That's the Reagan. Still era. in full swing. For us, that's <laughs> the Reagan. Era. Okay, like, I am. Um, that was. I'm totally oblivious to these things. But I think it's important. I mean, and I feel like this could footnote that to, to talk about some art before we, you know, end it up. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about some art. Is like, you know, I, I think it's important to remember that your experiences are different, you know, from, you know, your experience is always going to be different unless you guys check a lot of the same boxes in whatever sphere you live within. So, for example, you know, that grandmother, she may have been just like traumatized. Absolutely. But, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, so it's important for us to remember that, like, you know, prejudice is not power necessarily. It's what happens when you can back up that prejudice with power. This is the argument around the concept of racism as we understand it. Yeah. You know, it's like what power, like he has the power, like that, the power in that situation of your friend Ruben is you can't come here. What could Ruben tell them? <laughs> what could Ruben tell you? That's the important thing about it. So I just think that's why I feel like I can look at some art and go, this is black. This is why I consider myself, and I don't say it a lot in the spheres of art, but I'm a pan-Africanist, you know? So that's important for people to know. Sorry, that's a phrase I've never heard. What does that mean? <laughs> Pat this is how white I am. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> the sweet and condensed version to get to the art, you know. <laughs> the sweet this is an art version. podcast. In the end, I know we're talking a lot of racism, but it is an art podcast, I promise. No, that's cool because I mean, we make that. We talk about this in art. Art is race, race is art. Yeah. It all intersects as well, right? Like, it does. I mean, like I said, I saw this Jaffa exhibition, and I'll be honest, you know, I'm just going to be as blunt as I can and make myself to be as idiot, come off as a big idiot as I want to be. But I didn't understand most of it. Yeah. Like, in what, all honesty. What, what was, what was in the exhibition? There was huge. There was lots of stuff. I mean, there was, it was like 10 rooms of work. Oh, so. Jeff, I didn't even know. That's crazy. I know you produced like that. Yeah. yeah it was, it was, was it a, videos? There were, there were monumental video projections. Okay. Were like floor to ceiling. Makes a lot of video. Um, the, that was, but that was just one room. Uh, there was like a Black Hulk, um, okay, like stand-up cutout, and it was like black-skinned Hulk. It was a dark black Hulk. Well, it was basically like they illustrate. He illustrated Hulk, but with black instead of green. That's it. That's so he's a brown skin, or he was black, 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 like this black, like, like hardcore black, like like black Sharpie. Right. Oh, okay, right. like black Hulk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not not like not like <laughs> not like, not like a cocoa kind of a black, but the, like okay. Sharpie black, hard. But the, I will say there, there was one piece, though, that really I thought was quite spectacular, which was a Confederate flag that was dyed. I, I'm assuming dyed black, maybe, or maybe it was just made out of black fabric. Uh, Interesting. And then behind it, hidden, was a smaller Confederate black flag that you had to know to look around behind it to see the second one. And it was just a smaller... Version of the same thing. It's interesting. It was a very interesting piece. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that he made like that. I didn't either. I mean, because you know what? I think there's so many other people that we get pointed to with sculpture of that kind. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. Nari Ward, uh, David Hammond. Yeah. so many people. Um, but you know, the thing with that though is that you have a connection potentially to understanding the specific historical context of Maybe. that flag. But I had no other specific historical context of the Hulk. Right, but like you got this superhuman. I could wreck anything, but I'm black. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. But also Jaffa's work. I mean, it, 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 
because the thing about Jaffa's work in so many instances is also the way that he is like playing with the sheer number of images that we're that oh that his we videos you know what I mean like that's so much of the work is about dealing with the multitude of images and then thinking through also the ways in which we come into being through around and in relation to those images which so like a black hulk is like i don't know it's like there, there's there's that skit on a on a on a logic album i think where um where the two kids are talking about like black seinfeld black superman and, and the guy's like we've got black seinfeld that's modern yeah um yeah, yeah, and it yeah. is <laughs> and it's like i don't know like it's also like how how do you see yourself projected in in a culture because i think that's also and again this is like when we talk if if we're talking about black art as well there have been moments in 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 the history of art in which there have been attempts to define exactly what that means do you know what i mean and so like i think when we say black art now if kevin and i are talking about black art that's not the same thing as like in the 60s when they're talking about so in the 60s when they're talking about black art that was a very defined, or there was a very particular attempt to define Often what that meant politically yeah. alongside the project of art making. Right. It was like there was one way, or, or there was a there was a directive almost of like what it, what, what it meant to make black art, which I think has changed and shifted as political contexts have changed, and also as um, as people have also understood that that. That, that that there were times at which that was also a particularly chauvinistic view of what blackness was. Oh, well. I mean, we, yeah. we could start on the whole like gender issue in the arts as if you wanted to, but unfortunately it's three men sitting around a table, so we're probably not the best representatives yeah. of this. Not that it shouldn't, and I mean, I'm glad you brought it up, you know what I mean? Because not that it shouldn't at least be acknowledged, you know, whether or not we're the ones best to speak on it. But, no, no, we're not. But for sure, it definitely, no. yeah. Yeah, I know I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm not going to speak for two of you. But I think also, you know, just to say, like, to circle back to the whole point of, like, to somebody who's not coming from the cultural context, it does scream. It's like, oh, this is black stuff, right? And I think that's kind of, in my work, and I think that's, in some of it, I think that's kind of funny to me because I'm like, that's cool, but, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to be a translator, and I think that um, in a lot of ways it can be very comfortable to not walk into something that's screaming what it is, you know. Um, and it depends on the individual, but my work is in an evolutionary state. It's growing. Mm. And I think you can say that all work is. That's fine. But I'm definitely not going to be cranking out the same work that you just saw over the next 10 years even, you know, let alone 20. It's growing. And my understanding of what it means to be a black person is growing. Mm alongside that so you know i would always challenge somebody where like if you saw some of the work i show with sakile and me or even the most recent things you could see like with the wind chimes on there that's the most recent work yeah i saw the sculpture works um, yeah. or at least on your website the sculptural work is the most recent in relation to that and that's an older work you know so it's like getting i think at some of the same ideas mm -hmm. but as i always say sharpening the knife mm -hmm.